Welcome to the Celtics Rewind. I'm JP. And I am Matthew GM. What's up, y'all? Hey, 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 Celtic fans. This is episode 13 of the Celtics Rewind, talking all things Boston Celtics. I'm JP, the franchise. Nat, the GM, is with me. How you doing, Nat? I'm feeling good, no matter uh, that first home loss. Well, you know, uh, losing to the Denver Nuggets, I had to go and get me a 20-piece chicken McNugget after losing a bet, unfortunately. (laughs) So that kind of hurts right there, and I'm still suffering from that one. But it is what it is, though. But we got a special guest right here on Celtics Rewind. He is the editor of the Celtics Wild. Definitely follow Celtics Wild wherever you get it. Like, please follow them because they're really dope. I have Justin Quinn with us. How you doing, Justin? How you doing? Not too bad. Yourself? Well, like I said, I'm still recovering from them chicken nuggets I had on Friday night and stuff, you know. But it is okay. It's okay, though. It's okay. I'm 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 living, and the Celtics started winning back, so I, I'm I'm good right now. And we'll talk about the big play later on, which I was excited about last night. So, but um, <laughs> but uh, I want to get a few things out the way before we get into the recaps of the games by, of the Boston Celtics. Number one, congratulations to Jason Tatum. Drew Holiday, Derek White, and Jalen Brown to be able to be selected um, as, you know, the top 41 basketball players in the USA team to go Mm -hmm. and uh, be able to represent Team USA. Hopefully they can get on the team because Celtics buyers right here, though, but congratulations to them. And number two, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. They just cannot get out of the news, though. There's always something going on with Giannis or Damian Lillard can't uh, guard a parked car, unfortunately. But they end up firing their coach, Adrian Griffin, um, even though they had the second-best record in the East and they were number one offense in the NBA. He still got fired because Giannis lost faith in him, along other reasons. So I want to get y'all's reactions to the Bucks firing Adrian Griffin. All right. So um, my thoughts were, so Terry Stotts before the season started, he just, he's done, you know, and, I, and that's odd because you yeah. make a big trade and then, you know, you get, you know, Giannis and Dame together and everyone's like, you know, that pick and roll, that pick and roll. This is a team that you would think, you know, you would want to coach, you know, and, Terry Stotts has history with Damian Lillard. So you're like, okay, this this is going to work. This makes sense. He quits. He's like, no, I, I, I don't want this. I'm all set. That right there made me look at Milwaukee's situation a little differently because I'm like, what is going on over there where you don't want to touch it? So then, mm-hmm. you know, Coach Griffin, he gets the, the job. Now, they're number two in the East. Offensively, they, they are really good, you know, um, but defensively, they can't guard a park car. And I don't know if you can necessarily blame all of that on Griffin, no. but um, I just thought that it wasn't necessarily a good move. 41 games in, we're halfway through the season mm-hmm. and you choose to 
fire your coach, but you're number two in the East. You know, it, yeah. it's not like a, it's not like, oh, we're in the play-in right now, you know? So what is going on in Milwaukee where this is not working? Like, mm-hmm. and it's, it's almost as if there's not a lot of chemistry going on in, in Milwaukee, you know, and they're concerned about how they look. And this sounds like it's coming from Giannis. I, I, I'll have to admit, I think this is coming from Giannis. Giannis is like, no, yep. this is not the guy. So that's what that's just what I think. Um, something's just not right in Milwaukee, and I don't think the new coach is going to fix it. Mm. Yeah, I do think that Adrian Griffin is a well-regarded assistant coach, longtime assistant coach, former Boston Celtic. Uh, he, he played for the Celtics for a cup of coffee uh, a while back, a couple decades ago. He will probably be a good head coach for another team sometime in the future, but this was not the right Mm -hmm. hire for him. As soon as they hired him, I was like, are they sure they want to hire? Like we we see Joe Missoula, for example, in Boston doing well, but Missoula didn't have a choice really in the matter. We all know how that that came together. This was not what the the Bucks were dealing with, right? They did not have have a major human resources violation issue or whatever else was going on uh, in that particular situation to deal with. They just had to get a new coach. They had the whole offseason to do it. And from, I think it was Mark Stein uh, who intimated that really it was uh, Giannis, uh, who was a big, uh, shall we say, vote in favor of hiring Griffin mostly because he did not want them to hire Nick Nurse. And I can understand that. Nick Nurse, mm-hmm. the, he has a very mixed reputation is the nice way to say that between players. Mm-hmm. Some players really like yeah. him. A lot of players really don't like his coaching style. So I think that they made the mistake, which is not uncommon when you want to try to keep you know, your superstar happy, but once you have him under contract, maybe you can be a little bit – you, you can make decisions in the interest of your ball club rather than interest of what he thinks is the right decision. Uh, maybe this was their way of showing him how much they believe in him and his vision. Giannis, I'm speaking about here. Uh, but this was not the right hire for them. And it's not really fair for Adrian Griffin because it was pretty evident that he didn't have a different coaching strategy to put in place for the defense and it may not have mattered regardless, even if he had tried something that was even vaguely coherent, because mm-hmm. they have no wing defenders. Their backcourt is terrible for defense. Just yeah. who are they yeah. supposed to? Like they have good defenders on the team, but they're all it's it's we were we were talking a little bit about Indiana before, and the the discussion is a fairly similar one in that they they have defenders, they're just situational slash paint mm-hmm. defenders. Uh Mm-hmm. maybe can flash out to the perimeter, those kinds of players. And like, that's, that's a better version of what the bucks have. They just don't have functional wing defenders mm-hmm. or backcourt defenders anymore. And in today's NBA, which is a three point heavy thing and no defensive mm-hmm. philosophy, like before uh, they, they had very specific defensive philosophies to try to force you into taking less effective shots or less efficient shots. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. they just have the situation where they have a new guy who's trying to find his way, which is what you do on a losing team, <laughs> not a team trying to get the title, right? Yep. So it was doomed yep. to start, in my opinion. It's just it was just a bad decision, and like it's even more strange that they are like they should have had an interim in place. I guess that was probably Terry Stutz, to your point, Nat. Yeah. Uh, but 
he's not there now. And Doc Rivers is not going to save them. I love Doc, but Doc is the wrong kind of coach again for the situation they're in now. They need like a Mike D'Antoni or like they need somebody who is A, unemployed and B, a, 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 a tactician, which Doc is a player manager. He manages big egos for players who do not need systems necessarily. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep, I agree I with you. I love how you said that, Justin. Uh, you know, um, Doc is a is a manager. You know, of of egos and, and and players. You know, that's who he is. And I think that everyone like misses what what Doc is really good at and why he's so respected in the league. And it's it's because when you have a lot of egos, which when you're playing a sport and competitive sport, you there are a lot of egos. There's a lot of guys, there's a lot of people that you have to manage, especially when you're, excuse me, when you're, when you're coaching. And Doc, what makes him so good is he can round up everybody and get everyone to buy in, you know, to, to looking out for, for the, the man next to you. And that's what he's good at. Everyone gets on his uh, his record for, you know, not being able to, to, to win a championship in the last, you know, 16 years, you know, but it's very hard to win a championship, number one, and he's been to the finals twice, you know, so, and he's had, like, he's had some type of adversity getting there. It wasn't a cakewalk in 08. I don't know if everyone remembers that. It was not a cakewalk, you know, to get there. They went through, the, through some game sevens just to get there and then get into the finals. They did have to match up versus Kobe Bryant, you know, and that that's a tall, tall order right there. Doc Rivers, this kind of team in Milwaukee, if Doc goes there, there's nothing he can do because this is not his kind of team to uh, to coach. Um, so it, I don't know what they're going to do, but it sounds like one of the assistant coaches is going to have to step in. But a big time coach like Doc Rivers cannot save them. So I don't think this is the year for, for Milwaukee. Do y'all believe that Doc Rivers was like in Adrian Griffith's ear the whole time he was coaching Milwaukee? Because there's been like a report out, you know, somebody was saying that Doc Rivers was in Adrian Griffith's ear at all times, just, you know, calling him all the time and giving them advice on coaching what he needs to do. Uh, Do y'all believe that rumor? I do. I think it comes from uh, good sourcing and I think that it makes a lot of sense. I think that Adrian probably knew the writing was on the wall as soon as they suggested that he get in touch with Doc uh, because it was pretty clear at that point that they were losing faith in him. And once you lose the faith of a locker room, it's it's almost impossible to get it back. And with a first-year coach with no track record, he, he knew it was coming. Who, and who are you going to call other than someone like Doc Rivers? You know, you have a superstar in Giannis you know, and, and a star in, in Dame, who else are you going to call? <laughs> you know, so if you have a relationship with Doc Rivers, I, I'd call him. <laughs> if, I, if I if I was coaching a team, I mean, I, I'd call him. Like You call was... the next person you want to fill the job is who you call. <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> you know, you just, you call him. I mean, you, you need help. And he lost the locker room. Let's be honest. He lost the locker room. They don't understand his philosophy. They don't like his philosophy. But we're also not sure if he had a philosophy uh, that was. I, mean, I think uh, he probably did, but it wasn't working, or they weren't following it. One or the other. And they weren't following it, right? So at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, this is just what you have. Um, very sticky in Milwaukee, but I don't think 
the the core of this team that they have, I don't think they're going to win a championship this year nor the next. There's going to have to. I think they made some mistakes um, with some trades and trading the wrong people. You know, not not understanding what they actually need, and other guys are getting a little older. So I think Milwaukee is going to have more trouble than they think, and it's not just this year. I've actually yeah, been wondering um, if one of one of the tougher contracts out there to trade, like I'm not saying that it makes any kind of like good sense, but maybe we might see a contract like Zach Levine or even uh, Chris Paul end up there uh, just to try to shake it up on a short term thing. I, I don't think that the Levine situation makes a heck of a lot of sense for them. And that would be the ultimate panic move, but they have uh, Chris Middleton. I think they, they don't know what's going to be happening with him. He is not the same player. He makes a lot of money. You could probably get somebody for him. It wouldn't necessarily be a great player, but the question is, do they want to try to, you know, I think like somebody like Chris Paul would make, a lot more sense because then you don't have like future years like you do with Levine. Uh, the fit with like the, the, if you think the defense is bad now adding Levine next to Lillard, I, I could not imagine a worse defensive backcourt than that. Uh, but I would not be surprised if they make a panic move like the the rumbles that we've been hearing about them being in on the Spurs, uh, not the Spurs, the Hawks, uh, DeJounte Murray, like that's nice. But um, how? Like how? <laughs> it's gonna make Deontay Murray's defense even worse if he's the only defender. I think he's a the good Chris defender Paul. when he wants to, like someone else we know. But yeah, yeah, he's a good defender when, when he wants to be. But Dejounte is not gonna save this team. They still don't. They don't get it. You know what? What's what's the problem? You just can't stick people on a team. Like hey, you can average thirty. You can average thirty. This is gonna be great. Let's run. Let's run it for 82 games and go to the playoffs. Um, you, you ju- it just doesn't work like that. You know, you got to have the personnel. So let's see what what they do. But Chris Middleton was the guy that they needed to move. And yeah. he's he's a shell of himself. He's older, slower. He's had some injuries. You can't beat father time and you can't and you can't beat injuries. So it's what it is. Yeah. We'll just have to see what the Bucks will do in terms of the trades and everything. So we'll just have to wait and see. But it's good that they're crumbling so that Celtics don't have to worry about them. Maybe we'll see Doc Rivers go across the court from the ESPN commentator's desk to get into the bench and be able to coach the third and fourth quarter. We may see that this year. It might be the first time ever, but we just have to wait and see. Uh, so speaking of, <laughs> so speaking of uh, the games and everything, um, um, so, first game the Celtics had, um, they went against the Toronto Raptors and won the, uh, the game 105-96, to 96, won eight straight against the Toronto Raptors. So, Drake, I'm sorry, you cannot beat the Celtics. So, um, <laughs> so what's your thoughts, um, Mr. Quinn, uh, your takeaways from the Celtics' victory against Toronto? Oh, boy, the Celtics' victory against Toronto. Well, I would say the biggest takeaway is they're integrating some new pieces in Emmanuel quickly and, oh, God, who they just trade with him? Uh, Barrett, R.J. Barrett. Barrett, Barrett, Barrett. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I think they they are they're they're doing a good job retooling. Uh, I think they're really regretting you know losing Fred Van Vliet in free agency, and I think that really influenced them to you know kind of get off of players that aren't going to be part of their future, like mm-hmm. Anunobi and Siakam. I do think they are they make more sense as a team in terms of how they look like they want to play, which is long and disruptive. Uh, athletic. Uh, they're getting younger with these trades. I think that quickly is going to be a really nice addition for them once he gets used to the system. He didn't really look as, as dangerous as he was with the Knicks because he's on a new team. It was like the second or third game maybe that he played with them. So mm-hmm. that's really the thing that I'm watching for them moving forward. I think they have a couple more moves to make uh, before the deadline and not major ones, but just to, to kind of reshape the team around their new additions a bit more. They haven't really had much of a wing. Uh, They could still probably use, you know, I'm not going to say that Dennis Schroeder is a bad point guard, but if you're trying to, to win games in the NBA, as opposed to FIBA, (laughs) he's great in FIBA, Uh, but in the NBA, he just, he doesn't really seem to be a very successful uh, floor general. So I think that they could probably, look for some additional help as a backup point guard for a longer term solution. I think Emmanuel quickly is the guy they're looking to be like their guy moving forward. And I think he's going to be a good option for that. I don't think they're going to be a threat for Boston or anyone else in the East for another two or so seasons though. Yeah. When it comes to, I like that. um, Yeah. When it comes to Toronto, I really like Toronto. I love Scotty Barnes. Um, I, I've been watching him since he got into the league. Um, he's going to get better, you know, and better and better and better. He's going to be a Swiss Army knife. He's going to be able to do so many things, you know, um, successfully every night, you know, for a winning ball club. When they get to the point where they're fourth in the East, third in the East, he's going to be phenomenal in, in, a, in a big part of that. They have to build, though. They have to get there. The, you know, you have a young guy coming in that's going going to be your focal point. So now you have to build the players. You have to put the pieces around him. The reason why I loved that trade with the Knicks is because Emmanuel quickly. Emmanuel quickly, if he, if our projections are correct with how he's playing and how he's doing and what he's done, he should have that Tyrese Maxey kind of as like. You know, he'll escalate that that far. You know, he should be a Tyrese Maxey next year. You know, that I, I think that's a great trade. You need a guard. You need a dynamic guard. Someone that, that fits well with Scotty Barnes and walks Emmanuel quickly. Great trade. R.J. Barrett, I think that's a nice piece, too. He's, he's more of a two, you know. So they're putting it together. And Dennis Schroeder, he's a bench guy. I love Dennis Schroeder, actually. Me too. You know, I, I don't think he's mm-hmm. a, yep, a yep, starter yep. For, for every team, but for some reason, if you put him in the right system, he's just fun. He does some really good things out there. Mm-hmm. He makes some mm-hmm. big shots, you know. Um, he can be a feisty defender, too, you know. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's really good pieces in Toronto. So once they start shipping some guys out and, and, and getting some picks maybe or getting some other young guys to build around Scotty and, Scotty and then Emmanuel quickly – you're going to see them turn around. I give it about three seasons. Yep. That's about right. 
I like that. I like that. Um, but shout out to uh, the Celtics getting the victory. Shout out to Jason Tatum with the double double two as well. Uh, moving on to the next game, the Boston Celtics had the uh, San Antonio Spurs at home, uh, still undefeated at home at that time too as well. And Boston uh, dominated the Spurs one seventeen to ninety eight. Victor Wembayama's first time ever uh, playing in the TD Garden. And he had, like, a quote saying that Boston is just a really good team. Love playing in the Garden. They just know how to play well with each other from, like, the star players to, like, the role players, too, as well. Um, there was no um, Pozingas. There was no Derek White in this game. And I should have mentioned in the Raptors game, there was no Jalen Brown, too, as well. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Mm-hmm. Quinn, uh, what's your takeaways from thoughts of the Celtics victory over the San Antonio Spurs well the one thing that I will use to connect the two teams we've just been talking about is there's been a lot of complaints about point Sohan when I say that I mean Jeremy Sohan playing the point guard for for Mm -hmm. Spurs this season which has not gone incredibly well that said it's not really supposed to go well right they're 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 not secretly uh, trying to get another good player to put around Victor Wimbiana, which they should. It's not a very good draft. So they're not going to, yes, they're not going to get a, 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 you know, a franchise changing player, but they'll get a good, good supporting cast around him that way. <clears throat> and as a side benefit, they get a forward who can move the ball a bit, yes. right? Not necessarily to the level of the point mm-hmm. guard, maybe, but enough to, to really improve his ability to do so in the future which is the same mm-hmm. thing that they're doing with Scotty Barnes in Toronto and no one is criticizing him. Why? I don't get that. Yep. <laughs> that said, I don't think anyone ever thought the Spurs game was in doubt. Uh, the quote that you, you mentioned uh, Wemby talking about also was right before he mentioned how he really likes uh, TD Garden as an arena, but the weight room is too small. And all I could do was think about uh, in the 1960s, how they used to like turn the hot water off for the visiting teams. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> you have no idea, man. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a lot of fun to watch him. Yeah. Uh, San, San Antonio is... Uh, a nice up, up and coming team. I could, I, we could all see why Pop, you know, was like, wait a minute, I'm not done just yet, you know, because when you got Wimby coming in, geez, I, I saw him play 20 minutes in uh, one game, 20 minutes. He had like 26 points, you know, and, you know, and seven rebounds and a couple of blocks. I'm like, Jesus Christ, 20 minutes, that's it, you know? Um, if you're going to do all that damage in 20 minutes and then you're a young kid, you're, so then you're going to start playing 33 and 35 minutes. Jesus Christ, what's going on? Um, he is a talent. He is a talent. Yes, he he is. is going to get a little bigger. He is. It's just it's just going to happen. You're going to hit the weight room. Your, your eating is going to change your body. Change. You're going to get bigger. And that's scary because he's not going to be, you know, too big. He's going to be big enough. And he can move so fast. You know, one through five, he can block, he can guard, and that that is it's just amazing to watch. Um, I give them a few more years because Pop is is grade A at what he's doing. You know, <laughs> I don't know if you guys oh, yeah. remember for for the non YouTube crowd the the Derek White uh, block from behind attempt that was uh, interesting. Ooh, that was a different game, but yes. 
Yeah, I, I was looking for something like that, and we didn't we didn't get anything quite as outrageous in in this game. Though he did have that weird like he just kind of like bent backwards and put it in. Yeah. Like he's like Plastic Man or, or just I, I like some kind of like superhero because like his body just contorts in strange ways, and suddenly he's at the rim. It's just it's amazing. Scary. Yeah, somebody made the point the other day, and I'm sorry, I can't remember who said this, but this is the worst he's probably ever going to be. Yes, this is scary. (laughs) His rookie season is his worst, and his best is... Oh my god, he's like, he is going to be the face of this this league. Like, everyone's talking about the face, the face, the face. Look no further, Wimby is going to be that guy. This Spurs team, they're playing exactly how they should play. They're young. They're figuring it out. Pop is trying to see what he has and who's gonna and who's gonna have to be shipped out to get some different talent. A, a name that they keep throwing around is maybe bringing Dejounte back to San Antonio. Um, you know, because he'll go. He'll work really well with Wimby. But yes. you know, yes. Boston. You're supposed Boston's supposed to win these games. You know. Uh, I think last season we're always we were always talking about they should have won that game they should have won that game this is the season where they're actually winning those games you know so it, it's you know young team coming in it was fun but yeah they won yeah I I didn't even realize that Victor Wembanyama tried out for the Fantastic Four that's gonna be coming out in a couple of years you know <laughs> being able to <laughs> be like Mr. Stretch and all that since he's stretching out all, all these yep. people and you speaking about the TD Garden just went all back in Game Five of the '84 Finals turning away to for the Lakers <laughs> it just reminded me of that story so much because. We took the win, so that's, that's all that matters, though. Alleg- allegedly, allegedly, so I don't want to say <laughs> allegedly, but you know when Kareem is finally on the oxygen tank, just like oh god, I can't take it no more <laughs> stuff. It is what it is. Allegedly, we still got the victory though. But speaking of actually losing, unfortunately, at the TD Garden, the Denver Nuggets came into town and. Nikola Jokic had to ruin the fun of everybody, unfortunately. Uh, this was the game to watch. He's really good, yes. It's unfortunately, what I'm trying to say is, is that we thought that it was going to be a victory because we had the lead, and this is the game everybody wanted to see. And unfortunately, the Denver Nuggets was just too much in that fourth quarter for Boston as they beat Boston by a close margin, 102 to 100. So what happened? What was the collapse? What was that moment when Boston just couldn't get it done, unfortunately? Mr. Grant, I'll start with you. Uh, I would say that the thing that happened was a very short very brief and very familiar style of play late in games. We saw, and you know, I understand why a lot of people freaked out after the loss uh, because it looked a lot like what Boston has done against the top teams in the league, the golden state this season, golden state in the 2022 finals. Uh, it's, it was a very familiar, my turn, your turn, ISO, 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 crap, it didn't work, panic, 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 game over, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen that movie so many times. 
this season, you know, we were, we were talking a little bit off air. Uh, that has happened a couple times, right? And it's concerning, but one losing streak, two games all mm-hmm. season long. And they've recovered from these situations. They don't like wallow in their, their misery as they have, you know, for some stretches of even last season. And it really just came down to look, I don't watch the Denver Nuggets every game they play or even more than make maybe six or eight games a year, but Jokic and Murray do not hit that many damn shots every damn night. They just, they don't, right? They were really, really good that night. They were on, they were feeling it. The defense could have been better, uh, but really the thing that, that really killed them because the defense was not bad and they answered tit for tat throughout the entire game until that late, late collapse they just went to some stuff out of when they're under pressure, they go, they go back to old habits and old habits are not necessarily good habits. Yep. They just need to break out of that because they literally lost a game by one possession. Yeah. I like our chances in a game in a series of seven. Yeah. When I, when I think about the, the game, I was actually very happy and Same. it sounds weird, but I no, was happy. Not at all. You got to see what it's going to look like in a series. That's the game we've technically been waiting to to see. You know, how does Boston fare against Denver with the addition of Kristaps Porzingis? This is technically what we've Mm -hmm. been waiting for. Um, Mm -hmm. And watching it, I got exactly what I needed. You know, I was like, okay, someone was going to win, someone was going to lose. That's fine. Mm -hmm. That's just how it goes. But you have to look deeper into what actually happened in the game. What I saw Mm -hmm. was Michael Porter Jr. struggled. What I saw was Aaron Gordon struggled offensively, you know? Good job with him, absolutely. Yeah, so what I saw was a team that's going to take these wings out of it. Mm -hmm. But Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have to get it in their heads that they are going to be more aggressive and put more pressure on the defense to, you know, and to really get them in, tr- in foul trouble and mm-hmm. to make better shots, take, take better mm-hmm. shots and make better shots. They have got mm-hmm. to decide that you lose this game because of bad decision-making, you know, and you, and you, unfortunately you paid for it, but you only lost by two. Jamal Murray, maybe you have to do something different on him. They do. That's really yep. you're not yeah. They have to. You can't, you can't double Jokic. If you double, if you yeah. double him, yeah, then he's yeah. just going to send it to someone. Score. Double. Yeah, absolutely. You I you got to do something different on Jamal Murray. But it's great that you saw that. So now they're not going. You're not going to adjust to try to get Michael Porter Jr. necessarily going and Aaron Gordon. You're banking on Jamal Murray's going to average thirty in that series. And and Joker is going to average thirty. Oh, okay. So if we if we if they're thinking if we play good defense, we can beat Boston. What I also saw was Kristaps Porzingis. No one could guard him. No one noticed that. And you went away from him the whole time. You went away from him. He had Jokic going every which way. Jokic couldn't keep up with him. Jokic was late to the three point line and left Kristaps' hand. That's Mm -hmm. what I saw. What I saw was a team that if they learn to play through Christoph Przingis more in, in, in these kinds of matchups, these are games you'll win 
by five to ten as opposed to losing by two. So I was. Yeah, I was yep. Your point about Murray, uh, I think, is the most important takeaway because they tried to stop everybody, and you they, you just cannot stop everybody on this Denver team. Mm-hmm. You have to pick your poison. And as absurd as it sounds to mostly let Jokic eat, that's really the, the move, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, the the Murray yep. piece. It's the it's it's the Murray piece because if you think about it, you guard Murray, you know, you you rattle. You can rattle Michael Porter Jr. Um, but Joker's going to be Joker. But if you allow Aaron Gordon to have to be the savior, to have to, he has to shoot efficiently. I'm living with that. And I think Boston will too, you know? So um, great, great game. I I like what I saw. It was very encouraging. And we only moved from first to first. That's going to be the NBA Finals preview. I hope that's going to be the preview of the match and all that. I definitely do like, you know, if Aaron Gordon has to win Devil Nuggets that game against Boston, I like our chances. If you let Jokic get 30, 40 points and you can stop everything else, I like Boston's chances too as well. And they got to, and like you said, they need to give Porzingis the ball more. There's been, like, I think against the Pistons, Pozins could have had more than those touches that he had because he always had a mismatch and they go away from him. And I'm just like, yo, Pozingas is cooking right now. Why are you going away to Pozingas and going? Because the, the game needs around? a JT fadeaway from 15 feet with a hand in his face, obviously. <laughs> always. Uh, Evidently. And he, and he smoked the layup. Like, oh. I, I just, just thank you, Jason Tatum. As I had to eat some chicken nuggets after that game right there with that bet, but it is what it is, though. Uh, shout out to Devil Nuggets for that victory. So on to Houston. Uh, well, you know, Boston faced Houston, and it was a good game for the other people too as well. Shout out to Derek White, and shout out to uh, you know Drew Holiday too as well. As the uh, Celtics defeated the Rockets one sixteen to one oh seven. Not so much a great game from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, unfortunately. And then, um, you know, being able to get Jalen Green to outscore or outdoor Tatum and Brown, you know, that was something to see right there. That was very surprising. Abush Sangoon with a huge game, too, as well. But it was uh, the others for Boston that really stepped up to the plate. Uh, Mr. Quinn, what's your takeaways and thoughts of the Celtics' victory over Houston? I am very, very glad that they did not get smacked in the face with a team that was more than ready to kick their butt. Uh, It looked (laughs) kind of like neither of the teams wanted to be there at the start of the game. But honestly, once the Celtics brought out the clamps in the second half, the game was pretty much over. I was surprised that Houston managed to hang, I think, for most of the first quarter with them. Yeah, they're going to be a good team. They already are a team that I think has at least a good chance of getting into the play in this season, which would do wonders for their experience and their egos. Uh, Apart from what I think of Ime Udoka as a person, uh, as a head coach, he knows how to get people to buy in on defense. And I honestly think that the Celtics should see an image of a younger version of themselves and take the lesson that even though you know, like the, the Rockets, they don't have the offensive talent yet. It's still raw. It's still unrefined. The Celtics have, I think, the top uh, offense in the league right now, if not within top three. And they can 
win games on purely their offensive mastery and often do. But finally this season, and particularly I think in that game, it's finally really started to click that in games where as long as things aren't spiraling out of control, they can lean into their defense and find their way that way, even when the, mm-hmm. their shots just can't hit anything. Absolutely, absolutely. And that um, when the, when it comes to the Houston Houston Rockets, they're young. Um, they have to figure out who they are. They don't know yet. We know Sengun uh, is is a hell of a center. You know, so a lot of people I like to call him Baby uh, Joker. You yeah, know, I like, um, and I like yep. it. You know, he's. We he, we haven't begun to see how good he's going to be. He's going to get oh, better, you know. Um, we got to figure out. They got to figure out what they're doing with Jalen Green. You know, he's had an up and down season right now. Jabari Smith. You know, they've had a lot of pieces that it just seems that they're not meshing well. Tari uh, Eason being out hasn't helped either. Yeah, Tari Eason. He's been in and out of the lineup all all season. Oh yeah, yeah. So. It and, and then he's in trade talks right now. You know, he might be shipped out at you know to, uh, this year. So it just doesn't make sense just yet. You know, and once they figure that out, and now they say, okay, this is who we are. This is our identity. Then you're going to see the Houston Rockets have an OKC kind of um, progression, yep. and all of a sudden they're a fourth seed. Where did they come from? Yeah, yeah. where did they come yeah. from? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But, have a top, yeah. I think a top 10 defense right now. I mean, they're not a bad team. They just can't – they have no consistency with their offense. Yeah. yeah. That's that's all it is right there. And then for Dylan Brooks to outscore uh, Tatum and Brown, unfortunately, that was just not good to see right there because I am not a huge fan of Dylan Brooks, though. But on to the next game and all that. Uh, I guess the <laughs> Dallas – I respect him. I will say that. <laughs> I, I respect them, but yeah, sometimes you just don't poke anybody the who's crazy enough we, to, to, to ex- yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't poke the bell, Mister Brooks. But no, I, I respect them. I was just kidding around. Uh, so the next uh, night, right though, they had a back-to-back right here. They had the Dallas Mavericks. Luka Doncic. Thank God he didn't have those braids in his hair that I saw at practice and stuff. But he came out, you know, firing along with Kyrie Irving too, as well, and Tim Hardaway Jr. And the Celtics was just too much of them. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum redeemed themselves from the game against Houston, and they put out a classic right there, as they always do as a duo, uh, 119 to 110. Boston with the victory. Uh, Mr. Green, what's your takeaways and thoughts of the Celtics' victory over Luka and the Mavericks? So my biggest takeaway is that feeling. And I know that you know the feeling that I'm talking about when you are playing mm-hmm. the Mavs and it's halfway through the fourth quarter and mm-hmm. that crap starts happening mm-hmm. with Luca. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I didn't get that mm-hmm. feeling. This yep. Time, yep. Right. <laughs> Which was great. <laughs> yes. Apart from that, uh, the Mavericks look better than I thought. Derek Lively looks much better than I thought. He He's good. Yes. Is a gem for them. Yeah. They need to play yes. him more. I don't know why they, don't I mean he does foul a lot he does make mistakes he's a rookie he's going to they're yeah. not winning the title this year so they might as well just play him and see what they have and get as many minutes in as they can as well in my opinion mm-hmm. but I'm not Jason Kidd thank God <laughs> I'll just leave that there <laughs> um, not a fan uh, but the Grant Williams uh, situation sometimes the grass 
is not always greener. And speaking of Dennis Schroeder, I don't know if you guys remember during the Toronto game, there was a moment where he and Tatum collided and Schroeder just went flying onto the ground. And like, he looked like he was going to do like his, you know, fake foul grifting to the refs. But once he saw no refs were looking at him, he just smiled. And like JT did not even look behind him. He just knocked him on his ass and just kept walking. Sorry if I. <laughs> um, yep. Knocked him, knocked him on his posterior. And so I was like, wow, man, this is a new JT. Cause no, before he'd be like, Hey man, are you okay? Helping him up and being his best friend. And it's just like, mm-hmm. now he is like ready to kill you until the game is over anyway. And we had a moment like this, uh, when, when Grant tried to do that, that buzzer beating heave and Tatum was hip checked into the audience. <laughs> that, was, that was great. It was great. It was so good. So, so, I mean, so good. Even apart from the, the the big brother funniness of it, just like to see that he has that mentality about former teammates that we know he is close with, it's just great to see because you know that that mm-hmm. means that he's not going to be like, hey, LeBron, let's hang out after after you beat our team. Just like <laughs> when that, uh, the Nets swept the Celtics. He went and hung out with the Nets after <laughs> they sunk the Celtics. Like I get the AAU thing, but like, like I'm not one of those like yeah you gotta beat up everybody on the court and stuff but like just like show some like you know Celtic be pride. mean just just yeah. show some aggression some competitive competitiveness like something. just show just a little and he is just a so bit. I'm happy yeah Tatum's got to be meaner you know and mean Tatum is a great Tatum and that, yes there are no smash Tatum yeah there are yes. no bad games with mean Tatum. They're like when he gets mm-hmm. like 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 what the hell and you can see it in his face and he's just yep. taking off yep. every challenge. He's thirty five points, forty points, forty five points because he's so aggressive that he can get by anyone. Two texts you know? goodbye. Depending on who he's mad at. He can't get mad at the refs. The, the refs are, are going to be, you know, fair weather the all the time. It just mm-hmm. is he's got, he's it got is. a reputation and needs to work on fixing it. He he does, and what yes. it is, he's got to learn to tap some tap some of them and say, you know what, okay, you know. And when you do that, it's a, a couple years go by, a couple seasons go by, and all of a sudden you're getting those calls, you know, that we know you should get. You know, so he's mm-hmm. got to mature. That's maturity. He's not, and he's not, we got to remember he's 25. You know, he's, if yep. you want to fight, if you want to fight the refs, the way to do it is not on the court. You do it you on know, the podium. Yeah. You take the fine. And very, very, very often you will see when a coach or a player does that, that the referees will officiate a little differently in the next game. Absolutely. Not always, but sometimes. Yeah, and and that's what how so he he's got to mature, you know he does. But that was a great game. Uh, Tatum outplayed Luca, you know if we if we're gonna be honest, you know. Yeah, Jalen um, played. Oh man, like when he broke his ankles, like when he got him with the back, <gasps> just like so many so many great. Uh, Sorry, I did not mean to interrupt. Luca just you know you got Kyrie over there, you got some players, and I like you know. You, you, should be a little bit better here. Your team should just be a little bit better here, you know. But uh, alas, you know, um, there is no Kristaps, so therefore, you know, it's like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown versus Kyrie and Luca, you know, and they 
they just smoked that that matchup, you know. So um, it was I expected Boston to win. Usually when they play uh, Dallas, it's like uh, it could go either way, Coin and flip, it could. But this time I was really confident. I was really confident in in just how they've been playing this year. So it was it was a great win, you know. So here we go on another roll. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, man, you know what? You know I'm about to have my fireplace and stuff, and we'll go ahead and uh, order the poster of Luca ankle broken by Jalen Brown, so that every day <laughs> I come into the living room and just just love the fact that Luca just went in slow motion, just like the make. Ooh, like ooh, look at him. Let change his shoes at halftime, man. That's that's a. Uh, I mean, if it was that. It was that bad of an ankle breaker and stuff, and I was like, I finally Luca went down, and he became, and my, he might be humble for the next game against the Celtics, or he might go out for sixty points against the Celtics. Who who knows? Because when Luca Luca go remember that moment, and he's like, all right, not again, not again, right here. But shout out to the Celtics with that huge victory, uh, and then the next couple of games too as well, because um, we might be finishing out January, so they have the Miami Heat at Miami on Thursday. They, and then they go. They have a three uh, home game uh, stretch where they go against the Clippers. Hopefully, we see Kawhi Leonard in that game. Uh, they have the New Orleans Pelicans. Hopefully, we have everybody healthy, Zion and Brandon Ingram and all of them. And then they have the Indiana Pacers yet again. And this time, they have uh, Siakam with them. So, Mr. Quinn, I'll start with you. How do you think the Celtics is going to favor the next couple of games and what game you're really looking forward to? Uh, not the Pacers, because this will be, I think, the fifth meeting of the season. And it's just like, are we only supposed to play a team four times in a season? I know it's the midseason tournament thing that's making that happen, but uh, I got, I got the answer. The ten games this season—that's more than a tenth yeah. of the season for two teams. Yeah. But I'm not. This is not. This is not the the the, the Pacers pod. Uh, I think honestly, the game that I'm most looking forward to is beyond that when they play the Lakers again, just because that's always going to be a good game. And I really want to see where the Lakers are at. Hopefully they made a move by then. Uh, it's going to be pretty close to the trade deadline, just about a week ahead of the trade deadline. So hopefully they will have made whatever moves they need to make by then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's going to be really interesting because like, this is one of the hardest remaining stretches, but it's also that seven game home stretch. Yeah, I agree with yeah. you. And uh, Nat, the same question to you: How you think Boss is going to favor the next stretch of games, and what game you really looking forward to? And to answer your question, Mr. Quinn, the reason we keep playing the Pacers so much is Larry Bird is the consultant over there with the Pacers, <laughs> so we have to see a lot of Larry Bird right there. We have to make sure number thirty-three is alive and well. So, but uh, <laughs> Nat, that's Steve Kuberski. <laughs> the miami one i want to see i want to see Definitely. uh that's what terry rogier um being traded now that it it's added an extra flair to this series with Miami and Boston because Terry Rozier is an ex-Celtic drafted by the Celtics, you know, um, which I think that that's a, like a little bit of a reason why they, they really want him as well. Uh, he's 
you know, he's a guy that, you know, he's going to try to stick it to his old team because especially when they didn't keep him. and they but He left on such good terms. He's left on great terms, you know. Um, Torching the entire team on his way out. <laughs> I know. That's the one player I was absolutely pissed when they let him go. Um, I probably they, should have missed it Kemba. It didn't make any sense. I you love know. Kemba too. I but. Yeah, Kemba, Kemba's great, you know, but that's the uh, – Terry Rozier is my one regret um, the past five years, five, six seasons, because it made no sense. He was on the same trajectory as every other young player in Boston. You get mad at him for doing young player things. It never made any sense. So you go and get a veteran for these young guys and you just ruined what was like, what could have been, you know, you could have saved money. You know, Terry was going to grow. He was a feisty defender. He could, you know, he could score, you know, a uh, decent point guard, but a playmaker, I'll say, but he could have grown into, into that role even more in Boston, just bad decisions in, in you know, in, in that, in that year, in that off season. So I just want to see how they play uh, versus Miami. Cause Miami is a better team than last year and Miami has a lot better players. So I want to see what they look like and how Terry fits in because there's going to be bad blood. But uh, I, I'm going to assume Boston's going to lose that game. I don't know why. I would I not just be surprised. No, I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. You can't win all of them, right? And this is a team that wants to prove something with a player who wants to prove something. Uh, I do think they are more exploitable in their backcourt, but we were talking again a little earlier. Uh, I mm. think there's a good chance there's going to be a move for a defensive piece coming in at some point. I don't think that's going to be in time for the yep. game that we're facing the Celtics, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'll be curious to see how they look in the regular season, but I'm not super worried about the heat in the regular season. It's the postseason. I get worried about the heat. The yeah. they're not, they're not the same team. Like they play so much more intensely, so much better in the postseason. So I'm hoping that they fail of finding that defensive piece. I think they're beatable by Boston in this current iteration, but they're really good at picking at all of the Celtics' weak spots. They are one of the best teams up there with, with the Warriors and the Nuggets at doing that. So uh, here's to a very porous backcourt in Miami. Yeah, the, the backcourt is, is porous. You're right. I do like uh, – so – in saying that they're better than last year, they have some good offensive players. Oh, yeah. You know? No, they are definitely a better team all, all together. Definitely. Right, all together. So offensively, they're going to be great. I want to see how they play defensively. You know, um, I think that Boston, you know, I'm not a, we all know this, I'm not a huge fan of our bench. You know, I think that just we need something. It's way better, but it still needs more. I agree. It just, we need yeah. something else. Um, but. I want to see this, but I just think that the addition of Kristaps in that series is going to be the difference maker, along with Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday has had a very uh, low-key season in these first 40, 41, 42 games. And I don't he's even figuring it out, though. No, he's picking it up, but yep. it's been low-key, and it's great that it's low-key because people actually aren't really paying attention to Drew Holiday. They just think that he's just throwing nope. up shots and he's missing them. In reality, Drew is going to come on even more in the second half of the season going into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Now, he doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a number two on a team. He's your number four or five. You're going to see 
a different Drew, a different kind of point guard that we have not seen in a, in a while. But his defense, the way he can guard uh, in some occasions, one through four, you know, and just really just stifle, you know, a team, but also calm this team down. We have time. Let's not take bad shots. Let, let's set up the play. We're okay. That's literally Drew. And it's going to get better the second half of the season. That's why I think that even in the postseason, Drew, with Drew and KP, we are going to be okay versus uh, the Miami Heat. Um, I just think that they just add a different dynamic that we have not had in the past when we, when we face this team. I like it. Yeah, I can I can see that, and then also Daryl White too as well because he's just like the expert. Oh, Remember that? Yeah, that, that last that last Stop. time they faced the Miami Heat, man. Derek White had Jimmy Butler's number, and then that fourth quarter, yeah. Derek White turned it on. So Derek White is another one they have to worry about. But I also like Miami uh, Heat. I like the players too. Jaime Hawkins Jr. I thought it would be somebody that could come he to Boston the in the draft. The draft. He, he was the gem of the draft. And I was like, I caught on. I was like, yeah, they got a good player in Jaime Hawkins. I wish Boston would have gotten him, though. But, I, you know, they had to make the trade. So, I understand, though. So, yeah, that's going to mm-hmm. be a game I'm looking forward to. I'm also looking forward to the Clippers because with Kawhi, Finally being healthy with him and PG, I would love to see that matchup right there against Tatum and Brown. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good home stretch uh, for the Celtics. Well, we just have to wait and see how they do the rest of January, too, as well. So, yes, uh, Mr. Quinn, thank you so much for uh, coming on Celtics Week, Ron. Um, it's been an awesome time uh, just chit-chatting Boston Celtics with you and everything. And um, definitely check out Celtics Wild. Um, it's dope, dope content. Great writing, too, as well. And, um, yeah, this is episode 13 of the Celtics Rewind. I'm JP, the franchise. She's not the GM. That's Justin Quinn. Definitely, like I said, check out Celtics Wild. Please check it out. And we'll see y'all later. Peace, y'all. Later, Take care, y'all.